Mike and Brenda Uncensored. Everything you want to know. And some things you probably don't. Most people see us as silly and fun-loving. But there are times when we need to be more serious. And that's why we're bringing you this series called On a More Serious Note. How you doing? This is Mike and Brenda Uncensored with On a More Serious Note. Yes, I'm the Brenda portion of that. I guess by default, I am the Mike portion of that. <laughs> I think so. Today, anyway. Today, tomorrow. Sometimes we switch. Totally different, yeah. We tomorrow, gotta, I'll be Brenda. Uh-huh. We got to keep it interesting, you know? That is definitely yeah. interesting. <laughs> but we're dis- disproportionate height, so I couldn't be Brenda. Why well, wear heels sometimes. True. And they're like, they give me a, a like four or five inches. They don't want to hear this. They always want to hear about my shoes. Yeah, but not me in them. Probably not. You're right. So uh, we are talking today. This is on a more serious note. So I suppose we should make it all serious. At least attempting. Yes. We'll attempt it. So uh, today uh, we are talking about trucking during COVID-19. We're going to the stores on a limited basis, but we're all buying a lot more when we go to the store uh, to tide us over because it is uh, on a need to go basis is what it's supposed to be. And um, all of those things in the stores, they wouldn't be there without the trucking industry. And it's a vital part of the economic chain here in the United States on a normal basis. But during COVID-19, they are really the ones who are out there uh, making sure we've all got what we need from the medical field to the people at home, to the essential workers that are uh, still keeping America rolling. There have been a lot of different reports of what it's like for the drivers out on the roads, truck stops being closed and not being able to get food. And there, there are a lot of stories, and I'm sure that in some places that's true. But what we really wanted to do was go to the source and find out for ourselves. We spoke first to Scott Anderson, the network planning manager for Viria Trucking in Marinette, Wisconsin. Part of what went on in the last week for us were some of our bigger shippers in the central um, Midwest were barring drivers that had been in New Jersey within the previous two weeks. And, you know, that interrupts your um, planning and because you've got a, a certain specific set of hours of service that you're trying to match up and that driver may be the best fit. And then to have them barred at the door because he was in New Jersey seven days prior, um, that definitely puts an impact. And, and regardless of what they did with the FMCSA with reducing the hours of service or, or changing it and precluding or, or excluding rather some of the companies that, um, don't have to follow quite as stringent a guideline you know our companies stayed with the program that we're going to maintain that level and we're going to follow that fmcsa we're not going to deviate off of that our drivers are set with that our our electronic logs are set that way um our customer service and our planners are set in that regard so we haven't really deviated i know a lot of companies out there have taken advantage of that in order to to push product and to get stuff into store shelves but we've taken a more conservative approach and and kind of erred on the side of caution to say you know what there's a reason why those guidelines have been instituted and we're going to stay with those guidelines so 
that's some of the kickback that we've seen so far is is trying to get creative with our planning planning stages in order to keep drivers in certain hot spots um, so that you're not cross-contaminating or potentially cross-contaminating um, shipping locations as much as we possibly can. Um, that's part of the residual of what's going on right now. Yeah. Now, with that being said, do you see keeping some type of modified plan like that afterwards just to, you know, without the virus, but keeping drivers in certain spots or they're already there? Um, in some capacity, in some capacity, Mike, we already do that based on, um, home time requirements with our company, with our company drivers that generally are typically domicile in Pennsylvania and upstate New York, Mm -hmm. um, generally don't go further than say Chicago. Um, they have a requirement to be home on weekends Mm -hmm. and that's a 48 hour home time guarantee that we give them. Okay. And so to extend them further than that, it puts them in jeopardy of not making their home time. You know, some, some drivers today have family requirements. Um, some are single parents, they have visitation rights and so forth. So, and those are pretty strictly, um, regulated by whatever governmental agency they run into. So in keeping faith with our drivers, we tend to keep some of them in that regional configuration as it is sure but what's happening now is drivers that would leave um, out of pennsylvania and upstate new york who would extend themselves out for two to three weeks at a time and run loads out to chicago and then down to texas and over to atlanta um, they're kind of being um, put up what i wouldn't say it's a, a fence but you could say that we're turning them in the cleveland toledo market and turning them back into the northeast so that we keep we keep them in their central locations and and i don't i really don't like doing that um, because i think that some of those drivers like those those variations that are afforded to them um i, I really think to, to to keep the keep the driver happy and, and truly in the marketplace you do have to keep your drivers happy you have to allow them that variance that different change of scenery you know driving in massachusetts is a, a huge difference than driving through uh, you know missouri and iowa and central illinois yeah, especially at 8 a.m doing rush hour down 128 yeah. into boston yeah 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 so so it, it's it, you know it's more stressful um running a 53 footer in those congested areas and so it, it's, it takes its toll mentally on a driver. And so they they need that respite in some instances to come out toward the Midwest, come out toward Kansas City, come out toward Indianapolis that are more driver-centric designed um, metropolis areas just to relieve that mental pressure that they would typically run into day after day, week after week in that grind of doing that. Some, some guys like that um, because they want to stay close to their families, but uh, the long-term older drivers that we have typically want to run and extend out that second week and, and get a taste of, Hey, I, I like going to Dallas. I like going to Kansas city. I like, you know, driving through Tennessee and Kentucky to go down to um, Georgia. So we try to facilitate that or accommodate that in that planning. So really we would, if the, you know, once the bands and, and some of the stuff gets lifted eventually, then we want to, change that variation to go back to our original planning to get that cross 
transfer of product. Really, it's it's harder to regulate a driver in that area as well because some of the our biggest shippers are food products. We handle a large production facility that provides filler components for Pepsi, Coke, uh, bourbon, every glass of bourbon that's ever produced in the U.S., this company is actually um, dependent on, on shipping into those bourbon producers. Baby food, um, you know, seasonings for, you know, McCormick and Popeye's chicken, things along those lines. So I don't want to, um, it's harder when you run a regional because you're you're dropping that, that load and, and trying to transfer it. And now instead of one driver covering it, it requires you to take two. It requires you to take three. Every time you drop a load in a yard and you recover it with another driver, you lose, it's roughly four to six hours on time and transit because by the time you coordinate a new driver coming in, you have a post-trip, pre-trip for both of them, the deadhead in and out of those two places, you're, you're losing time in essence to get that load on time. And you've got to really have an A game set up if you're going to be doing that long-term. A lot of, a lot of companies just aren't designed to do that um, over a long period of time. It right. just it wears on your planning, and someone in, inadvertently will drop a ball somewhere, and it's going to cost you service, and it's going to cost you a customer eventually. So, mm-hmm. now, how many units do you guys have on the road? Uh, um, we have two hundred and forty uh, drivers with the company, and we run. 190 units so we have some that work as a slip seat operation or a local operation out of um, wisconsin where they'll run a 12-hour shift and then a night driver will run a 12-hour shift on that same unit okay and then you have other facilities across the united states though uh, besides marinette wisconsin correct Correct. Um, We are in Walford, Iowa. We are in uh, Nina, Wisconsin. We have the terminal over in Milton, PA. Um, We have drop yards locations that are approved across the U.S. Um, Indianapolis, um, Davenport, Iowa, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, Milwaukee, uh, two in Chicago, one in Detroit, one in Toledo, one in Grand Rapids. And I think that touches on most of them. So, and you guys are running all forty-eight states. Um, technically, we're we're registered to run forty-eight, but only our tour drivers who work in the um, entertainment division and our entertainment division um, do the full forty-eight. If you look at our geographic footprint, if you were to draw a vertical line through the city of Omaha, Nebraska, and look at us, we are predominantly at 99.5% east of that line. Um, We used to do Canada, and we've backed off from that. The requirements and restrictions and the cost to do that weren't cost-effective for us as a company to go back and forth across the Canadian border. Um, And we didn't have enough customer base to support the the additional cost to keep that operation afloat. Right. Now, you were talking about tours. Uh, clearly, those have come to a, a halt. Oh, you should say. And... Um, um, our operation has done something pretty creative. Um, we have the freight, and we have the opportunities. We, we've been very successful in what we do. No one customer of ours has 6% of our business, which if you think about it, 
um, in terms of network or you took, think of long-term contracts and that. If we lost a major contract tomorrow for whatever reason, 94% of our network is still intact, which is huge. That's a huge safety net to have. Um, what that's given us is some flexibility. We've actually recruited tour companies that don't have work right now that are working for us as polar only units. And we've actually, I, I should say that we're at 240 drivers. We're probably closer to about 300 drivers now because we've added three different tour companies and they're working using our equipment and driving our um, lanes of travel with our customers that are based in there, but they're polar only units that we've, um, added to our fleet in order to give us additional capacity in this time to keep freight flowing for the U.S., so to speak. Those typically would have been idle drivers because, as you alluded to, tours have been, this year was to be a a huge tour season for us. Um, We had contracted for um, corn again, and, uh, you know, we did uh, uh, Cardi B and Oprah in the late show with Conan O'Brien on some of his ventures when he'd come out of LA and gone into Texas and so forth. Um, we've been into the Jarvis Center is down in New York. And so, you know, it was pretty extensive for us and we were really looking forward to it. We had seven or eight tours, full tours booked with our driving fleet and suddenly it's canceled. Now I, I heard a news report and I, I don't know if this is true and it would have to be validated, but I heard that um, California is talking that they're not even looking at any tours or any group gatherings until 2021. So, you know, you can, if that's true, you can cancel a concert tour season for the California Lake, which is huge. Um, right. There's a lot, there's a lot of tours that go in and out of that California and then across the Southwest. So. Yeah, that it's disrupting. And people think, oh, it's just music, it's just tours, it's just concerts. But there are other industries that are so dependent upon those tours that it is a, a true ripple effect. It, it is. And, and, you know, if you think about just the fact that we have these, you know, potential, I, you know, an exact number I don't know because that's really truly a different division, although I'm now tasked with, with – um, lining these trucks up with freight and so forth. But if you think of that ripple effect as it as it comes down, two weeks ago, we were extremely busy. We didn't have enough trucks, enough drivers to supplement what was going on. And it was just a mad dash. I, it's the first time that I, in my career, had seen Costco's and Sam's Clubs basically throw um, appointments out the window. We'll take the truck when it gets here. Right. Uh, 247 access to a Sam's or a Costco is... I'd never seen that before. Now, this week, as those tour drivers are coming in and, and they're being displaced because, like you alluded to, there's no business there. If it's a non-essential business, it's not moving. So foundries in Wisconsin have shuttered. They're they're not moving those products anymore in some cases. Well, you know, they potentially, in some cases, were moving upwards of two to 300 loads a week. And now, those two to 300 loads are no longer available. What does that trucking company that had that contract do? Well, now they have to start seeking other work and other business, you know, and and it's kind of it's kind of been a roller coaster. We've had drivers, and rightly so, that have decided to go into sequester for week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever they felt comfortable with. And, you know, as a as a company that's working with our drivers, we're going to give them that time. That's their comfort level. Rather than, than to stress and push a driver into a, 
in an uncomfortable, you know, panic situation, we're going to say, you know what, we're, we understand, we appreciate what you're doing, and we, you know, we back and support what you're doing. So the actual driver count has been fluctuating based on them going out and coming back in. And it's been that way across the industry. There are companies that have had, you know, drivers that have been struck with the coronavirus and others that have self can self quarantine and gone, you know, so you've lost that capacity, but then you have the shift going on from the automotive industry and some of the others right. that are going into the food industries and such, because, um, they have to, the trucking company has to survive at the end of the day. And, you know, we have to support those trucking companies because when you look at the store shelves and they're bare, right. there's a reason for it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't think, I, hopefully at this point in time, people realize how incredibly valid this industry is and, and the person behind the wheel, uh, you know, you and I uh, sit at a desk and, and at night mm-hmm. we go home. Uh, but these guys aren't doing that. You know, they they are the ones that are out there making sure that we have everything that we need. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, um, it was difficult for the first week when Pennsylvania had taken a very hard line stance on closing rest areas um, initially. And it, it struck terror in our hearts because, quite frankly, where were the drivers going to use rest facilities when where were the drivers going to park their vehicles and you know and in a safe location um well lit and where how were we going to be able to make the deliveries if if we had overtired drivers or drivers that you know didn't have those those amenities that you and i take for granted to survive so it was it's, it's been touchy i'm trying to find that i know that you know with the fact that restaurants are closed you know uh, in the day, a trucker would go in and, and enjoy a meal at a restaurant and a cup of coffee and sit down at the table and, and be away from his truck. And at that time, he got a half hour of, or an hour or, you know, a shower, a meal, you know, some downtime and some, you know, well-needed mental rest um, from what he had just been up against with the traffic and so forth. You know, not having a, a sit-down meal in a restaurant, that that's no longer in existence right now. And how long is that going to be in existence so it's you know one of the common complaints that i hear from our drivers is there's you know really no places to eat and there's really it's really difficult for us to um, find a good parking location and in a good safe space and you know some of the you know some of the new procedures with docks and so on and so forth um you know we've got some locations that are having a forehead scanner and they um, basically, we'll check the temperature of every driver that's coming in on property. And if the measurements don't aren't acceptable, they don't make that delivery. I, it's foreign. I've never seen that in, in 30 years of truck driving, but that's the reality that we're up against these days. So you can imagine if it's a critical, if it's a critical delivery for your company, and your and the driver that's carrying that inbound is literally being stopped at your gates and turned away because he's running a one degree or two degree low grade fever. You know how does that right. impact your operation? Absolutely. And, and then if they're not running a fever and they get on site, they're often not allowed on the docks. No, um, that's, and that's that's been um, I think that went into effect immediately. I think that was one of the first things that we saw. 
in the business where drivers weren't allowed. They, the doors are locked. Um, we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, we have a new procedure to paper. Paper is one of the things that used to be a BOL bill of lading. Um, and it would be signed and handed to the driver. The driver would turn that in when it was at the receiver. Receivers don't want them anymore. Right. Receivers are now telling us, hey, we'll scan that and send it to us electronically close enough. Which, you know, I mean, are we reaching that age where it's now a paperless society? Maybe this is going to push that closer to the pay, to the tipping point because, you know, I mean, receivers are are meeting our drivers with gloves on in order to get paperwork and uh, it's just an entirely different kind of eerie um, element as far as deliveries and shipping goes these days so are they finding that they're also not allowed to use the restrooms is that causing issues are any of the shippers putting out facilities for the drivers that are loading and offloading for them i I have heard of um, facilities not being that had previously been accessible to us at some shippers and some receivers to being now off limits to the drivers. Um, when we do that, we our customer service is pretty good. What we try to do is we try to take those and and our customers are also pretty good with notifying us proactively, which is really good. Like one of our biggest shippers came out and said, "Hey, we've got a brand new protocol." We want it to go into effect immediately. This needs to get out to your drivers, which we appreciate. Uh, but there are some that we run into that don't have changed their, I mean, modified their abilities. We don't have the access to the facilities. We don't have, um, you know, that we previously had. And what we do is we immediately change that location within our our processes. We send out our directions to our drivers with cliff notes um parking on site parking locations on their locations if it's a northeast corner quadrant um, fencing guidelines then we we try to send all of that out so we'll update that unfortunately the first driver that discovers it um he's in a in a really predict bad predicament at that point in time right. so now you have to take a look at the overall picture and say, hey, how important is that delivery if he needs to use a facility and what can we do for rescheduling? Um, typically, our hardest appointments, and we talked about that a little bit earlier with the Sam's and the Costco's, very adamant, very regimented on what they do. Um, they've laxed their um, receiving, which has helped because now that gives us a little bit of leeway as far as getting the driver to uh, an accommodation where he can or she can um, find those amenities closer to home and then still make that delivery and still get offloaded and, and make sure that we get the product there. We're also seeing that a lot of the companies or the receivers that we typically would have to wait for Monday deliveries are so desperate for product right now that we're making deliveries two days in advance and they can't be grateful enough. Uh, right. Because they just want that on their store shelves. That's how how the panic buying has impacted um, us as a nation. Now, have you seen, I know we touched on this earlier, and you said two weeks ago, it, it was insane. Things were just, you know, freight was hot and heavy. The, the volume was up and everyone was in need it now mode. Have you seen that start to trickle off a little bit in some of the non-essential consumables? I, I have. Um, and so we talked about a little bit of the transition from some of the drivers that were in the non-essential 
you know, whatever the definition of the, that is these days, I'm not quite sure. But as they transition into and try to survive in the trucking industry, um, we're seeing a, about the same level of freight still being pushed to us. Um, keep in mind, we've added, you know, 80 to 90 more units within our group. And so we're matching the amount of volume per truck per week. Um, but we have seen a little bit of the cost structure changing. Uh, we're not seeing the uh, quite the robust numbers that we had in terms of offerings from brokerages two weeks ago that we're getting now. I would say that it's, I think we just did a study on this over the last three weeks because we typically don't try to do a one-week snapshot. It, it, it's kind of counterproductive. We kind of look at it on a month-by-month month because there, there are fluctuations within it. And I think it's about $0.08 cents per mile less now running versus what it was uh, two weeks ago. And anyone in the industry that will tell you when you're down $0.08 cents per mile, that's a huge, huge difference. And when you're running you know, 3,000 miles per truck on a, on a typical over-the-road driver who's out for two weeks, um, you know, that's a substantial amount of money that's being lost um, within the uh, confines of the business. Now, uh, the fuel costs are also down, though. Is that going into consideration uh, as to why it's $0.08 cents per mile lower? Um, no, well, we don't look at the fuel surcharge. That's a fluctuating number that we don't target because um, we don't really base our rates on the fuel surcharge. It tends to be a number that's driven by the cost of fuel, and we try to look at it independently on our rates. And our rate is um, what we get paid by mile with the fuel surcharge removed from it. Um, fuel, fuel levels and fuel costs will fluctuate on year to year, day to day. But your rate per mile is really what you can look at with, without that very that large swing or variance, and say this is where we're at based on what the demand is right now, and and based based on what we're getting competitively across the board as a transportation group. So we we don't look at just ourselves. We're also comparing ourselves to every other trucking company that fits our our trucking size and our location and what type of freight we're really hauling. Part of that is, as well, is our internal Wisconsin, Chicago, Midwestern loop uh, has gotten a lot more competitive because there's a lot of automotive involved in the Midwest. There's a lot of non-essential business that's involved in the Midwest that's now been shuttered or temporarily put on, on the back burner. And as that happens, that Midwest, it's the rust belt all over again. That was Scott Anderson, the Network Planning Manager for Varia Trucking in Marinette, Wisconsin. Scott was giving us the perspective of the trucking industry during the COVID-19 pandemic from the planning stage of the trucking industry. We also spoke with Jay Walton. Jay is an owner-operator based here in Maine. Jay gave us a perspective of what it's like to be a driver on the road during the COVID-19 pandemic. So this morning we are talking with Jay Walton. Now, Jay, uh, you are based out of Waterboro, Maine, correct? Yes, and, North Waterboro, Maine. Yes. Okay. There, is there an actual distinction between North Waterboro and Waterboro? 
Yes, different zip code. We just call it the water boroughs. But yeah, you got North Waterboro, East Waterboro, and Waterboro. Because I grew up in Poland Spring. Oh, okay. Never to be confused with Poland. Right. <laughs> Even though it's all the same municipality, the same town. <laughs> Uh, right. we had a different zip code as well. And, 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 you know, but if anybody asks, I grew up in Poland spring. So wow, <laughs> I know, nice. right. Kind of, a, <laughs> kind of, kind of elitist. I know. Right. But guess what? My dad was a driver and, um, you know, we, we weren't the hoity toities of Poland spring. We were just the, the regular old Joes. So, um, Same here. now how long have you been driving? I've been driving approximately 30 years. Yeah, I pull a Conestoga Trilly, yeah. Which is not the same as the van and, and not really the same as a flatbed. Um, no, it's more for special commodity stuff, uh, stuff that needs to be protected and stuff that you can't normally walk on to uh, cover it safely. How long have you been home uh, during COVID-19? Because I know you're home right now. Yes, I've been home now for about uh, six days. So you were out there while it was uh, really coming to its full height. And what are some of the things that you saw as a driver? Because we're hearing a lot of things out there about um, what's going on and, and how uh, the truck stops are shutting down and the drivers don't have food and there aren't safe places to park. Is that anything that you've seen? Well, no, that's nothing I've, I've really seen as far as uh, the restaurants and stuff closed down but pretty much what i've seen is truck stops are right now running at about half capacity they're then really not all that full i think a lot of people are home due to the coronavirus as far as food goes on the road um, you can still walk into a full service truck stop and order a meal or order it online and you could even get soup and salad in your your entree um, the only difference is now you have to uh, take it out your truck to uh, eat it Okay. Well, finding good food on the road has, has always been kind of a challenge anyway, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um, a lot of it's, uh, a lot of stuff has changed over the years. Uh, in the past 30 years, uh, the best food on the road and the healthiest food on the road you could find at truck stops. Um, but now it's pretty much turned into fast food and catering to, you know, families traveling. Now, uh, uh, when we talked to Scott Anderson from Veria Trucking in Marinette, Wisconsin, he was talking about just that. He was talking about how necessary it is for the drivers to have that break in time to just be away from the truck and sit and, you know, make that call home if they need to or take that shower. But just the, the mental break from being inside of the cab of that truck are you finding that as a challenge right now? It's an absolute challenge. We're pretty much restricted to the truck. Um, this time of year, the weather's really not all that friendly, so hanging out outside the truck, it, it's still kind of cold and raw out in a lot of places in the country. So, yeah, that, that is, it presents a challenge. Now, some of the hot spots, because I know I had some loads going into uh, Staten Island last week, and uh, Pennsylvania, I've heard, is not a uh, very great uh, place as far as the truck stops go and, and the rest stops right now. Have you been into any of those hot spots? I have not been into the New York City, the, the metro area, for quite some time, pretty much since this, the epidemic began with the coronavirus. 
I've been kind of staying right away from that. Um, Cause if you go in there and you make contact with people, you actually have to physically quarantine yourself for 14 days. Right. And that's what um, we had heard also is that there are a lot of other receivers around the country that are questioning where the drivers have been. And if you have been in any of those hotspots, you are not allowed on site at any other location. Correct. Um, it's, it's, it's a real thing uh, as far as uh, taking it seriously. Even wearing gloves and mask precautions, um, I, I think for the most of us, outside contact is not going to really affect us. I, you know, um, when I, I notice a lot of shippers and receivers, we're not going inside the building anymore. We uh, make a phone call. They come out to us. And uh, everybody has their own pen. We sign our bills. And that, that seems to be working pretty okay. Now, Jay, when it, you just touched on it about the, uh, the signing your own paper. Now, I know that a lot of places are going paperless right from beginning to end. Have you seen any of that in your, um, in your travels? Uh, no, nothing paperless as of yet. I uh, honestly, I believe that has to do with a lot of the, uh, the mega, the mega carriers, the big fleets. Um, as far as paperless goes, that's probably all done by computer. Now, what about your family? Going out, coming back, going out, coming back. Are, is that a concern for, I'm sure it's a concern for you and, and for them as well. Yes, it is a concern. Um, I try to take all the you know, necessary precautions as I can. I don't have a whole lot of social, physical contact with, with anybody out on the road. So it, it's, I think my risk is kind of minimal. And that's probably the way that you want it to be right now, of course. Yes. In normal times, if if we remember what normal times are, uh, you know, that that was kind of where you, when you made your stops and, and when you were in the truck stops, that's, that's kind of where you get outside of your head a little bit. And, and you right. guys don't have that right now. No, we absolutely don't have that. That's one thing I do miss is the interaction of uh you know, getting out of my truck and, and meeting the uh, the shipper or the receiver, because uh, like I said, most of the stuff I do is outdoor work. Um, I miss the the idea of being able to shake their hand and greeting them and and you know having a conversation. And now everyone's in a in a standoff uh, situation. All right, now, are you going to be staying home for the duration? Are you looking to go back out, or I'm actually looking to go back out. Um, myself as soon as possible because you you are an essential worker and we can't thank you enough and all of the drivers out there you know for for leaving your home and, and leaving the safety and getting the supplies that we all need to us you know whether it's the healthcare workers on the front line or or it's people you know sheltering in place who who need that toilet paper man <laughs> right well, they're definitely essential. Uh, without them, the, the country would stop, literally. It, it absolutely would. And I don't think people realize that enough, especially, again, I'm going to say the term uh, normal times uh, right. when you guys are out there. I think it's just something that's taken for granted. And um, it, and that's a, a real shame. And if I can rectify that anywhere at any point in time, I, I surely do make sure that everybody knows how important the drivers are because my life doesn't work without you guys. Uh, you know, and I'm in the industry, but nobody's life works without you guys and girls, it, you know? Exactly. And, you know, my life and my household would, 
would be totally different without the same, you know, men and women out there doing the, uh, in the trucking industry. I mean, there wouldn't be anything. Now we're going to go back just for a second and touch on something, uh, something else that I heard. The, the truck stops where there are food trucks or vendors there available for the drivers. I've heard that in some locations, there's a lot of price gouging going on. Is that true? Have you seen that? Well, at most truck stops, there's, a, there's always price gouging going on. Uh, you, you buy a cup of fruit, um, you know, for like 4 or $5. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's true. I, I mean, I have to admit that if you're on the highway and you don't want to get off the highway to go and find a grocery store or, you know, a, a, a convenience store off the road you're going to pay for the convenience of staying on the road. But I had heard actually that they were, there were vendors out there selling like hamburgers for $10. I have not myself. I have not witnessed any of that. Um, I haven't seen any of that really. Uh, I suppose it could be going on in parts of the country. Um, I've been pretty much running East and West for quite some time now. So I can't picture drivers really supporting people like that. You know, vendors that are, that are, rate gouging like that if it came down to it i mean i would just simply find a walmart somewhere and and get what i needed to to uh to get by right i think that's important because times are changing and we all need to take certain steps to uh make sure we're eating well and drinking well and you know protecting ourselves i i can't agree more and and i know at times of your my father did not have the healthiest of uh of diets (laughs) out there on the road so I, I can completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. But he also had two or three log books going and, uh, you know, and, and it, it was the, the 70s and the early 80s. So uh, right. there were there were unmentionable things that went on while he was out on the road that uh, are things uh, that are fabled now. And that's the other thing. Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, regulations are being lifted. The FMCSA has yes. lifted the hours of service uh, for a lot of shipments. Yes, they have on on the uh, essentials. I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, medical in the grocery grocery warehouse products. Right now, what's your opinion on that? Because I've heard a couple of different uh, opinions on that. Well, I I think the, it's ultimately going to be driver's discretion um, to get the product there safely. They have, you know, if they can safely get it there, then um, I don't have a problem with them doing that. But they, they should not be penalized if for some reason they, they can't physically make it there because they're tired. Um, the conversation should be over and um, they should reschedule the appointment. Drivers do need a break. They need to the rest, um, especially a lot of times. They have a lot of sitting around wait times, uh, especially those uh, guys that are waiting at the grocery warehouses to deliver or pick up commodities. Um yeah, it's important for them to be able to have some downtime. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't you don't get much rest when you're you know standing out a windshield or it's just. No, it's exhausting when I'm in my you know twenty five hundred pound car, you know, right. and I'm driving. I, I get tired just doing that, and uh, that's a relatively small machine uh, that's easy to handle. It's not eighty thousand pounds uh, with cars zigzagging all around you. Uh, so, uh, I can only imagine that it's exhausting 
uh, you know, and then to put that extra pressure on that there's a, a grocery warehouse that's waiting for you and, and you're sitting there. Uh, and, and that's not to uh, denigrate the grocery warehouses because those workers are working around the clock as well doing yes, what they, they need are. to do. So we're all in this together, and I think it's just going to take a lot of uh, cooperation and um, uh, patience. Uh, but we surely do appreciate everything that you and the other drivers are doing to make sure that those of us who are safely at home have what we need. And I have to say it is it is exhausting driving the Hyundai because usually you're beside me in that car. <laughs> and it is very, especially when we hit every bridge joist, there is, <laughs> and you throw out these expletives. In French, in huh? In French and English uh, and oui. Japanese. Yeah, it's exhausting. If, if you think those bridge seams are tough in a, in a little Honda, you ought to try hitting them with a, in a, in a no. truck. Oh, no, man. Thank you. So, no, thank you. Speaking of that, um, when you were out on the road, did you see any difference with the amount of traffic that you encountered, both regular trucks and, and, and the small stuff? Well, uh, trucking is is in spots. It's heavy, but uh, it's, the interstate systems have actually been kind of nice. Uh, been mm-hmm. been able to travel down the road with very very light traffic, and not really. It, it's really been nice. It'd be nice <laughs> it to keep really that up been. after it's all done. Yeah. After yeah. it's all done, it's back to chaos <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. Yes. I think it's going to be a little bit worse after the stay-at-home order has been lifted. I think that people are going to be probably out on the roads a little bit more. And I think that if, if hopefully, it gets lifted before summer is over. It's going to look like right. Le Mans out there. Everybody's going to race out to the cars, jump in and race all over the place. Well, I'm hoping at that point we're all going to have to take a, just a little bit, a little bit more precautions because people have been pent up for quite some time. So yeah, exactly. And um, I think that less people are going to be traveling overseas. So I think there are going to be a lot more domestic vacations going on, a lot more road trips, and uh, hopefully they remember you guys, <laughs> you know, and the hard work. Well, people staying, taking local vacations, that's actually going to be a blessing for this country. That's exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It, it is, absolutely. Uh, it's underappreciated, the beauty that we have here. And, um, I, I mean, that's what I plan on doing for the next couple of years is just staying domestically and, and just visiting as many nooks and crannies as I can. So Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of beauty in this country. There is, there is, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to travel a lot of it from uh, uh, an eighteen wheeler with my father. It's it's a very different uh, view from up there than it is down in the car, and um, there's an appreciation you get. I think everybody should have to do that just to get <laughs> just to get an idea of what they go through, what you guys go through. Well, Jay, thank you so much for uh, talking with us today. And and again, I I can't express how much we appreciate what you guys are doing for us. Well, thank you for having me. All right. You stay safe. Will do. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. We'd like to thank Jay Walton from Jay Walton Trucking for taking time to speak with us. And uh, Scott Anderson from Viria Trucking for taking time out of their day and giving us a little insight into the transportation world from their own perspectives. Very informative. 
It, it was. And uh, so the On a More Serious Note series continues. Um, we're going to be talking with someone from the medical profession. Now, we're not going to be talking numbers. Uh, we're not going to be talking strong statistics from the medical field because we, we're all bombarded with those numbers and, and they're out there and we all know. But what we're going to get uh, is a more personal perspective on what they're seeing, what is going on here in in Maine right. specifically uh, from their perspective and and just get a little bit more of an inside look at, at their life now. Right. So make so sure you'll be you, coming up. And you're going to be talking with a first responder. Yes. Yeah, it gives us yeah. that 360 view of what's going on. And uh, because we, like I said, we all know the numbers. Right. The numbers are there, but right. it's just a, a glimpse into someone else's day yeah, during exactly. COVID-19. Exactly. And then we'll have uh, a couple of teachers that we're going to be talking to. Oh, nice. Yep. And, um, and then a couple of parents. There are a lot of people at home every day with small children, smaller children. That, that's a struggle that's real as well. Because you add on the educational part of it because the schools are so close. So these kids are trying to get an education at the same time as being children. Right. So join us next time for Mike and Brenda Uncensored. On a more serious note. Mike and Brenda Uncensored. On a more serious note. Like and subscribe to stay current. New episodes daily.